I just want you to know, I heard what BJ said on Sunday at the beginning of the show. It had nothing to do with the Giants game. All right. It had nothing to do. As a matter of fact, I watched all of five seconds of the game. I turned it on, saw the score was 21-0 when I got home, and I turned it back off. Had nothing to do. My my, my day was no longer affected. I, it was affected to see it, and I was like, oh, okay. Come to terms. Move on. Anyways, uh, BJ, on the other hand, is is out once again. He's uh, really working at Texas A&M Commerce men's basketball game on the radio call for that. So yes. uh, that's sick for him. I'm actually really excited for him. Glad he's going to do that. We were supposed to have a guest tonight, but things did not work out this evening. But we will have that guest uh, in the future. Um, they will be. They will definitely be on this show um, at, a, at a later time. Mm-hmm. All that said, a regular show tonight at the end of the day, and uh, we'll go ahead and just get right into it. That's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. Personal foul. 69. Offense. He's giving them the business. These people don't give a All right. Well, it's Wednesday, and we are here once again with another episode of Live on CIB. I'm your host, Tyler Isley. Joining me, as always, Cameron Jester. Uh, Howdy. I should I shouldn't say always. We all miss a day here and there. Yeah. Uh, but typically, it's it's always going to be the three of us. So, with that said, it's just the two of us tonight, which makes it a little easier, but. You know, it is what it is. It works out the way it does. We have some video clips from BJ that we're going to share as we go throughout the night. Um, because he did a segment. He pre-recorded a segment and pre-recorded some some talking points. You may hear similar things to what we talk about mm-hmm. going through the show from him because he doesn't know exactly what we're going to say. But that's okay. We did the best we could, and he did the best he could. I appreciate him getting taking the time to even put these out here for yeah. us. So. Really great stuff. We've got our, our loudmouth scoreboard ready to go. The college football playoff rankings released again last night. We got a new number one. Georgia takes the top spot at number one in the college football playoff rankings. They supplant Ohio State. And honestly, rightfully so. I, I think that Ohio State was up there because of, of the resume that they have. But Georgia goes out and just absolutely decimates Ole Miss after winning a very tough game against uh, Missouri, who's now a top 10 team. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Cam, if you would. Throw up the cultural playoff rankings, put them yes. across the bottom on the ticker there. Um, they, honestly, where Georgia should have been this entire time, just because their schedule mm-hmm. didn't really line up. Like, they can't control that. Same thing with Michigan. Like, they couldn't really control everybody else. It wasn't that good. But um, they continue to go up here, and, you know, Georgia's, now, again, number one uh, ahead of Ohio State. Again, rightfully so. I think that that's probably where they belong. I don't think there was any argument there. Now, I think that Ohio State above Michigan, you can make the argument one way or the other. Penn State just matched the best win for Ohio State. But Ohio State has Notre Dame to back it up. Michigan's backup is Rutgers. So understand that I know that there's a disparity in the strength of schedule. I'm not trying to argue any of that. Mm-hmm. Looking through the rest of the top 25, things that, that changed. Uh, Kansas State jumped above Oklahoma State. Uh, the head-to-head doesn't really apply there, even though they got the same record. I'm kind of surprised by that, but you know that is what it is. 
Arizona's inside the top 20. We'll be talking about them in a little bit. Iowa's up at 16. Ole Miss and Penn State both didn't really drop a whole lot. Oregon State stays just outside the top 10 because Louisville and Missouri, like I said, jump up into that yeah. top, uh, which are well-deserved. Louisville's been great, and, and Missouri's playing a really good brand of yeah. football. Both, They're both not going to be a playoff team. Fantastic. They win, though. They win their next two games. They're sitting at 8-2, and two, win their next two games, get to 10-2. Missouri's a New Year's Six team. Who would have guessed that at the beginning of the season? I don't think many. Like, I know Colin had it. Colin was all over Missouri preseason. Credit to him. Credit to him. I don't think he even had New Year's Six on the board here. This is a really good Missouri Missouri football team, and he deserved the credit that he got there. We look yeah. elsewhere in, this, in these rankings. There's really not a whole lot to even really complain about, honestly. Um, the the constant between one and eight, like that that question is going to answer itself. All these one loss and unbeaten teams. I mean, a majority of these schools will play each other in the in this final three weeks. I mean, we get Louisville plays Florida State, for example. That's going to answer some questions as to who may get that spot from the ACC. If if Louisville wins the ACC championship, assuming they get there, they got to win on Saturday against Miami. But if Louisville wins the ACC championship over Florida State, the ACC may be the one that's left out. Mm-hmm. We just had that conversation yesterday about who would be left out and, and who would deserve to be left out. The yeah, ACC and it, it, it would left out in that regard. Yeah, and it would definitely be the ACC in that s- scenario. Um, Big Twelve could easily knock itself out in the next couple of weeks. Like, there's. 18 to life there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff that like that we have two weeks left and it could all happen. Texas plays Iowa state this week. And I think that's a scary game in some regards and and not so much in others. And and really just because Iowa state's been extremely good. I mean, like very good. Um, Shockingly good almost. Um, But you know, we may talk about that here in a little bit when we get into the preview. Um, The things I want to go over now are the coaching carousel. It's firing up. It's firing up, and it's firing up hard um, as we go forward here in this college football uh, season, which is, you know, unfortunately soon enough going to be the off season. I don't like saying that any more than you like hearing it, so I'm sorry. But um, let's see if I can find a coaching carousel real quick. Yeah, it's, it's really started to heat up. We, of course, talked about the Jimbo Fisher stuff. Her already. Thank you, CBS Sports, for a tracker. <laughs> um, so here we go. Cozy Carousel starts. Has been starting. Brady Hoke is retired. I don't think we ever talked about that. Brady Hoke retired from San Diego State. No, it literally happened like right as we were starting the show. So we. Oh, was that when that was? Was that Sunday? Yeah, okay. That was Sunday afternoon, I thought. But. So, yeah, Brady Hoke retires. Andy Avalos was let go mm-hmm. last week. And that was... honestly, I'm kind of shocked. I really am. Yeah, that that one was kind of surprising. Boise State still alive for the Mountain West. Um, it's I, – I will say it's – it doesn't shock me one way or the other that he was let go. It surprises me that he was let go now in the thick of the Mountain West race. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by this. I'm going to go on ESPN here and uh, take a look through this real quick. So we're going to we're going to go through and just talk about obviously everything. Um, we're going through the standings here. I mean, we talked about Boise State. You know, they just they fire Andy Avalos, but they're currently sitting fourth in the conference. They're in conversation. Four and two, they're five and five overall, but they, their losses were non-conference, three non-conference losses, mm-hmm. and they and they've come out and, they, and they're five and five, four and two. Like I understand, you don't want to be five and five if you're Boise State. I I get that, but mm-hmm. you're playing a really good brand of football in the Mountain West, and you're and you're playing well. You, you lost to UCF, unfortunate. Um, you lost to Washington pretty convincingly. And then your other loss was a close loss to Memphis, who's in the running for the American right now. Being upset about that is, is kind of appalling to me. So yeah. I don't know if there's something more to it or not, because they their wins have been good and they've been convincing wins. Their losses have been close. I mean, they've lost by one point. They've lost by one possession or less in every game other than every loss other than the Washington game. And how do you get mad about the Washington game? Washington is that much better. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. Washington tough. has been so much better than even we were projecting this year. Like the like Boise State doesn't necessarily have a bad loss. Just the patience with the way the way that Boise was down at the end of Harson's tenure into this into Avalos's tender tenure. Like that, that's ultimately what it boils down to. I've got a lot of family that's Boise State fans, um, being from the area there, and they, they, they've not been patient at all with Avalos. And it's like, well, he's kind of having to rebuild a program, this and that. And it's like, no, it's not Boise, that's not Boise State. Like, we should be excellent. And it's like, Calm down. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you're acting as though, you know, the Chris Peterson days are, are every day in the G5, and that's not the case at all. And and honestly, Boise State's not in a position where they're going to be the one that's competing um, because the Mountain West is catching up. I mean, look at what UNLV was last year and what they are this year. Yeah, UNLV has had an insane turnaround in less than a year. Fresno State's down a little bit. Well, Fresno State is still up there, though. They're still third. Air Force has become kind of unbelievable, honestly, in a lot of regards. Um, San Jose State, they're five and five, but they're four and two in conference. Wyoming's kind of had to slide in non-conference or in conference play, but they they started out really good. Uh, Utah State's still in the thick of it, three and three. I I don't think they're in the they're they're no longer in the conversation for the conference championship. Yeah, but like, they are in the conversation. Uh, they're they're still in the thick of this. They're they're five and five. They're they're looking for that bull bid. Um, Hawaii is not going to get there. Colorado State's two wins away from getting there. I don't know what their remaining schedule is. But this is then, and Colorado State's actually in a winnable situation. They get Nevada and Hawaii the next two weeks. Yeah, and, and Colorado even, State could make a bowl game. You know, yeah. this is a this is a very very well-rounded conference in a 
time when uh, you look back probably three, four years ago, I mean, the Mountain West was dead to rights. There was nobody in this conference that was worth talking about. And now everybody is again. Yeah. It's been a big turnaround. It's been it's been crucial, and it's been honestly extremely impressive what they've been able to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And as somebody who follows the Mountain West closely, like it's it's insane how competitive it's gotten. Because like, yes, Hawaii isn't gonna make a bowl game probably this year. However, they've far exceeded every expectation anyone in the country has for that team this year. Um, you look at Colorado state, Jay Norvell quietly has turned around that program. Um, and he's doing it slowly, well. but he's, yeah. he's doing it. And it's, it's been, it's been pretty yeah. impressive to be completely and, honest. Yeah. And then San Diego state. Yes. They're having a down year, but even then you, have to be com- you have to play your A game against and, them. And Brady Hope just retired. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big deal as well. So I mean, I think he was kind of forced into retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hey, just retire, get out of here, please, because we're firing you. Um, yeah, retire. At, at the end of the way, you're not they're, coaching they're, here next year, and that's that probably what the situation was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two in the Mountain West alone, and, and that those are going to be interesting to watch how they get get filled because San Diego State and Boise State are two that you know could be looked at and potential. I don't want to say expansion because like the Pac-12 is trying to probably trying to expand. You know the two that are remaining, or that those two are going to join the Mountain West and just improve that conference even more. Yeah, who knows? Um, but that'll be interesting. Yeah, if Washington State or Oregon State join, then they're competitive right there um, yeah. as well. So, it, uh, Northwestern, obviously, Pat Fitzgerald, we talked about that at, at Najem in the offseason. We're not going to get back into that. But what I am going to say is it looks like that position's filled. Uh, it looks like they're going to retain David Braun, and he's going to take over mm-hmm. as the official head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats, which I think is really cool. I'm glad they're giving him an opportunity. Unlike the next school on this list, which is Mississippi State, who got rid of Zach Arnett after this, uh, that after that last one, Saturday, and they're yeah. four and six. And when you are coming off of a head coach who was very air raid centric, mm-hmm. uh, very pass centric, he, he turned it completely yeah. around. You had to find the guys that fit the system. You had to find the guys that were going to buy in, and yeah. It seemed like they were just fine in that because they had a an interesting win against Arkansas, a seven to three win, but a win nonetheless. Yeah, against honestly, kind of got hoed in my opinion there. Like he, he. Oh, uh, I think he got screwed too. I don't yeah. think, but I think the thing is they never expected to keep him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the thing, I, the other thing to that is, let him they finish picked up him. The year. They picked him up. And brought made him the interim head coach in a time where they could have went out and just hired anybody they wanted at that point. Why why even hire? Why even bring him and make him the interim head coach if, if you're not even going to go forward or get, entertain it? You're sitting at four and six. You have a win over a top twenty team right now against Arizona, a team who eventually mm-hmm. become a top twenty team, and they played really well in that game. You lose to LSU. I, nobody expected you to stay in that game at that time of the season. Mm-hmm. You, you lose to South Carolina, but you stayed in the game. But you lost on the road. You lost you, in Williams Bryce Stadium. I mean, how do you expect to win that game? Yeah, you've you done more Alabama. Or less, but you got you got hammered by Alabama. But Alabama, that was the week that they 
everything came together for Bama against Mississippi yeah. State. You, you've How do you get mad less, at that, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses. What you've done more or less what was expected of you coming into the year. Yeah. Like I said, so. not trying to make any excuses, but but these are the, the undeniable facts of the situation. LSU was a buzzsaw at the beginning of the year. Even though they lost to Florida State, they were absolutely amazing going forward off of that loss. Their defense is, is only falling back apart. South Carolina. That was probably the healthiest South Carolina has been all season. Was that Mississippi State game. Probably the Georgia game the week before, but the healthiest point of the season for the South Carolina. Alabama. Best, the first good game they played all year. And then you win back-to-back games. You beat Western Michigan. You beat Arkansas. You feel like things are coming together. You lose to Auburn. But Auburn, kind of in a similar situation to you, but they at least knew where they were going. They didn't have to completely overhaul things. Like, it, it kind of came to Auburn a little better than it did for Mississippi State. You lose to Kentucky. What did you expect? You, yeah. you know, I, I mean, and the only thing is you lost at home. Auburn. You probably expect to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the final straw was really losing 51-10 yeah. to to Texas A&M here just a week ago, or just at the end of the week. Um, yeah. And that's unfortunate. It really is. I don't know. It seems like they folded their opportunity to, to be a bowl team. I mean, you get Southern Miss this week, who's probably – is one of the the lower tier Sun Belt schools right now. They they've not yes. played very well at all this year, which is shocking considering the way they closed the year last mm-hmm. year. And then you get Ole Miss, and the Egg Bowl is always competitive. Why wouldn't you give them the chance to get them to at least a bowl game? Nobody thought this team was a bowl eligible team. They've surpassed what the majority of the three of us thought mm-hmm. they would do by just winning four games. I had them at three and nine. I thought I, they won. I thought they would win Southeast Louisiana. I thought they would beat Western Michigan, and I thought they beat Southern Miss. And I didn't think they'd win a single game in conference play. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I had them. Hold on a second. Let me pull that. Up. Now, granted, they may be a one and seven team in conference play, but that's still better than zero oh and eight. And uh, I had them know, at four tough. and eight, exactly on the dot. So. Yeah, and and I don't. I, I think they're going to go five and seven. I still think they beat S- Southern Miss. It, they may lose. They may lose. It's definitely not going to be pretty, but I think they beat beat Southern Miss. I think they. I think they get waxed by Ole Miss. To be honest, I don't think that game is going to be as close, anywhere near close anymore. Um, I mean, you just fired your your head coach. Yeah, you you um, you you just waved the white flag on yeah. that season. So. Yeah, so uh, that'll be an interesting job to watch. Uh, Michigan State's going to be open, and I think it's going to stay open. I don't think they're going to hire. Um, I don't even actually know who they've been. Who they've been? Urban Meyer. No, I was I was just thinking like they're in our mind. I don't remember his name. Um, and then obviously the big one, Texas A and M fires Jimbo Fisher. That's a big time situation on multiple regards, but it's a job that is desirable. Okay, and people need to not mistake things. Okay, money doesn't make you a blue blood. Money makes you a a suitable job, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you're willing to give, you know, uh, what do they got? They owe him seventy-seven million. If you're willing to give even a even a 
sliver of what you've given Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Like you could be talking about a really good coach coming in and, and yeah. doing and doing things. You know what I mean? Like it was smart of Oregon. They they locked up Dan Lanning at, for considerable future and they give him what forty five million dollars a year. Uh, hold on a sec. A six year forty five million dollar extension. Yeah. Uh, which is gonna keep him there through twenty twenty eight. The yeah, I don't know. It's oh yeah, like that. It's one of those. Like, I mean, if you're willing to give somebody that kind of money, and and, and Texas A&M is, I mean, they are. There, this is a school that's desperate to get back to the top, and I don't think people really understand that when you when you have those conversations about it. Like, they are desperate to be back up top. Yeah, and, they're not there and, yet um, for multiple reasons. Yeah, but. They could, and if you make one good coaching hire, you know that's that's a big time advantage already. I don't know who they'd go after. I don't know what the intention is for Texas and I I I've seen Urban Meyer, which I don't think is actually happening. I, I don't think Urban Meyer is going anywhere. Happening. Like that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer is not coaching anywhere unless something happens. And I don't want this. I'm just saying, unless something happens to Ryan Day and Ohio State needs a head coach in an urgent matter. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. That's probably and, the only way he's coming back. Yeah. Ohio State and Notre Dame are probably the two jobs that he would come out I don't of think so. I don't think he'd even go for the Notre Dame job. I, I, I think, think it would simply would. just be OSU. Yeah. But at the end of the day, those are just two places that are open immediately, right? We don't know who else is going to come open. Now, we have seen um, the rumblings about UCLA letting Chip Kelly go. Um, They lose this weekend. He's fired uh, from what I've seen. If they win this weekend, he's going to get to the end of the season. That's that's crazy to me. I, I don't know about you, but Chip Kelly being fired. I mean, this is not... This was not the year for UCLA to begin with. No. I mean, what are you even upset about? This it, is probably was, your best opportunity. He's the best guy right now in the position mm-hmm. to be able to go out there and and really be able to compete in the Big Ten, the new Big Ten, what it's going to look like next year. Yeah. Out of the two that are – well, out of – yeah, out of the two L.A. schools that are coming anyways. He's definitely it, in that position. Yeah. It was expected to be a down year for, for It was, UCLA, and they're six, so. they're six and four. Mm-hmm. That's, and with USC next week, who they could beat, I don't think that's going to happen, but they could. And then they close out the season with Cal. I mean, they're going to be seven and five at minimum in a down year. Do you know how good that actually is for UCLA? Yeah, because their down years UCLA prior, their down yeah. years prior. I mean, probably going back to Jim Mora, were five and seven, four wins four at games. times. Yeah. I mean, they were bad. And now you're just you're just getting rid of Chip Kelly if that's what's actually happening. And I've seen it multiple places. I've I've seen this being a, a huge talking point. I hope not. I really do. But mm-hmm. what do I know? I, in some scenarios, not a lot. Maybe this is one of those scenarios. Yeah. No. And, and I'm right there with you. Like, I, if hey. this is your down year, hey. if 
if this is your Come down here. year, Come here. that shows you how what are you doing? How much Chip has changed the Come culture on. there. So, yeah, hang on a second. I'll be right back. Um, let's see. Also, just want to say, like, we we kind of glossed over it quickly, but kudos to Braun and the job that he's done there at Northwestern. Nobody oh, yeah. No, I was actually – we were going to go yeah. into that a little more. Okay. But, yeah, nobody was expecting four wins. Yeah. And like, we, I had them at two wins. They're sitting there. at five and five. Yeah. And a win away, and I think they're going to get one. They may be seven and five at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They might get seven to five because it's it's Purdue and Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I'll say it. Northwestern's going to be seven to five at the end of the season. Okay, I think they're, I, uh, they're at least six and six on the year, though. Like they, they are Purdue's three and seven. Illinois's five and five. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Big Ten West. <laughs> <laughs> If Iowa didn't exist, this is what the Big Ten West looks like, okay? (laughs) Positions two in the Big Ten West through position six in the Big Ten West, that's five teams, are all five and five and three and four in conference play. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the Big Ten West. What it's always been. I'm glad divisions are gone. Um, I think Indiana is going to come open. I, that's what I was going to do yeah. next. And we're going to look at the next, what's next for some schools. And um, I'd be yeah, worried I, if I totally Indiana think, doesn't I, come open. I totally think I think Indiana comes open. I think that the rest of the Big Ten safe this year. I don't think anything else is going to happen. I think Indiana and Michigan State are going to be the two open jobs. Going up and looking at the American, I think ECU opens up for sure. Um, maybe Temple. I don't know about Temple. But at least it's ECU. Only year two. It's only year two under their coach. No, and, I know that, but it yeah. and still has the, not been very good. And, and oh, EJ yeah. Warner looked much better last year than he's looked so far this year. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, in the ACC, I don't think anything's going to happen to uh, Tony Elliott. I think this has been kind of just a year where they're trying to figure things out. They have a quarterback in the future, though. Calandry is an absolute gamer. Love him. Love that guy. So I'm, I'm excited for them. But I think that – I think Pat Narduzzi is going to be on the hot seat. I think that mm-hmm. – I think Dino Babers is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm as a team that's only scored 72 points since conference play started, yeah. which is the lowest by 30 points. 33 points, actually, in conference play. Um, by the way, if you're curious to know, the third highest scoring team in the ACC in conference play has been Georgia Tech. 
Yeah. 222 Two points. 222 points, which they at one point in college world history put up in one game. In one game, yeah. If you don't know that. If you know, you know. <laughs> um, but I think I think that Syracuse and Pitt are probably Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be, that they I'd be surprised coaches, if they but... I think Narduzzi could. Mm-hmm. I really do. But who knows? And then I'm gonna say that the hot seat. I'm going to say that the Heat gets cranked up on uh, Mario Cristobal at Miami next year. Given the lack of patience that they've had in the past, that 100% would not be surprising if if that seat gets cranked up. As oh, 100%. I think, it's, I think it's going to be lit pretty quick. Um, Jeff Halfley has Boston College at 6-4. and four. An year where they probably should not be six or four. I, I'm very impressed mm-hmm. with Boston College. Uh, other otherwise, Brent probably saved his job. Brent Key's definitely saved. I think Brent Pry is definitely saved yeah. at five and five for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been really solid. Just some teams that are really figuring things out. Honestly, uh, the Big Twelve. I don't think anything's going to happen there. Like I think Scott Satterfield's <laughs> going to be there. I think. Uh, I think the most likely is um, Dave Aranda at Baylor. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that actually goes forward. Like like UCF actually just not just locked in um, Malzahn. Yeah, Malzahn got an extension. Yeah. So um, BYU deal. tends to be very patient with coaches. So. And they should. This is their first year. They're 5-5 five and five still. Yeah. I, let them let – them, Let's just hockey have a, a year or two in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our Aranda's probably well, not probably. Aranda is easily the most likely to come open of any oh, of yeah. them. Maybe Holgerson, just because Houston kind of expects to compete and Holgerson has regressed. Um, don't know if it was a lot of turnover or not because they did return a decent amount. So maybe that seat gets turned up a little, but I yeah, hard to say. Uh, um, I am gonna look at Cal for a second. They're four and six. They are not really in a position, I don't think, with their remaining schedule. They they could win both, but they're two road games, Stanford and UCLA. If they lose both of these games, I think that we could be talking about Justin Wilcox on the hot seat as well. Oh, easily. And I don't like to say that. I think that he's a good coach. I think that he's actually I, a good, but they're gonna look they're looking for something more. They they're moving conferences, going to the ACC. Yeah. They've they've got more on the plate there than they yeah i've gone on record talking about how good of a coach justin wilcox is and i i don't disagree with you like that is probably that outside of chip kelly of course is easily the warmest seat in the pac-12 because really you look at it otherwise like dion's got time Dickert's Everybody else right. just got there. Yeah. Dickert just got there. Dion just got there. Dillingham just got there. Like well, the guys at the Arizona bottom. Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor even just got there. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's at the bottom yeah. has, has just started, and this is the beginning. I'm not complaining. I'm not. I'm not going to put any of them on there yet. 
Um, the SEC, I think that I don't think there's any way that um, Sam Pittman returns to Arkansas next year. Yeah. He, he's like I'm, I'm almost positive. I, I don't think there's any way that he returns to Arkansas next year. If they lose out specifically, I think they're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, he's a dead man walking at this point in time. Otherwise, everybody else has time. I don't see anything happening with Billy Napier in 2023. If this continues in 2024, have another conversation. Shane Beamer, I think, is safe. And I think he's safe because of the injuries. If, if it weren't for injuries... If they were four and six this year without all the injuries, specifically on the offensive line, which was bad enough as it, when the season started, like it definitely only spiraled from there. I think he's going to get 2024 to prove himself, to prove this to have only been kind of a fluke. Mm-hmm. He's going to get one more shot. I think that, that at least Florida's, one more. He may be there another yeah. year or two, but I, yeah. I think he outlasts he, Napier more than yeah. likely. Oh, yeah. Beamer's pretty safe since they've at least been able to hit the recruiting trail hard compared to what they have been in the past and what the program fell to at the end of at the end of um Spurrier and then Muschamp. So yeah. and then Napier. I agree with you. I don't think he's gone this year. I think the seat definitely is starting to feel a little more lukewarm. So It'll be interesting given how hostile the fans can be in Florida. So it'll be interesting to see in that sense if there is outside pressure there from boosters and all that. Um, but I I do think he is safe for the year as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll move on from the carousel for a little bit, at least. We'll probably be talking about it more as we go on um, throughout the rest of the regular season and definitely through bowl season. That's probably going to be the biggest thing we talk about uh, leading in the conference championship week, I would say. Um, don't forget that when we do conference championship week, we'll be previewing every single conference championship game yes, um, going into that. So that's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for all of those. All right. Well, we can get the uh, playoff rankings off the bottom of the screen, and we might as well just go ahead and get started talking about the games this week. I'll bring up the Loudmouth scoreboard. And we will start. That's not what that's supposed to be. We will start with Utah on the road against Arizona. Did that line rise? I saw Arizona minus half a point at one point. Over the last day or two, I will double um, check, but that was as of yesterday, and that's perfectly fine. I'm so, not too worried about that. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm still curious out. about that because I, I figured that this would be about as even as you can get. Should be a fun game there in the Pac-12, um, as we've seen. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this game. I I think this is going to be a fun football game. It's going to really show where Arizona is. Like, is Arizona Arizona really that good? And um, is Utah going to be able to win this game? Like, these are two. These are two really good teams. Honestly, I think they're both very solid. Uh, Obviously, Utah losing last week to Washington. 
it's not really something anybody's surprised by, so I'm not sure if I would say it was uh, was was bad for them or anything. It, it's just it, it's knocked them out of the contention for the Pac-12 championship game. Arizona's still in the conversation. Um, they would need two Washington losses to close out the season or another Oregon loss to close out the season. But Arizona's still in the conversation. Um, yeah. They they have an outside chance. Like they're gonna need a they're gonna need the Pac twelve to do Pac twelve things, but they they there's still a chance there for sure. Now Arizona for the first time since twenty seventeen is seven and three. Hang on a second, this fucking dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arizona is seven and three. They've been playing absolutely phenomenal football i fucking hate saying that but they've been playing really damn good and i i definitely been surprised by jed fish in his tenure so far and what he's been able to build them up into but especially so quickly but kudos to him for being able to do that and arizona as a whole Yeah, I think Arizona's definitely here to stay. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to come in and actually be kind of a force in the Big Twelve next year. I think they're going to come in and, and have a really solid. I mean, I think both of these schools do. I agree. But Arizona specifically, like it's it's one that we were not thinking about even going into this season, let alone next year. Yeah. And now they're putting themselves in a very good position and Jed Fish is putting himself in position to be hired by one of these bigger schools. Jed Fish to AM. And I don't think anybody would complain over there right now. Uh, the way he's turned this team around. He's using a backup quarterback. Noah Fafita was the backup. Did- and and since he's become the starter, has done what he's put up the numbers he's putting up. I, I, I honestly think that they're playing better football right now with Fafita than they were with Delora. Like, not a shot at Delora at all. Hell of a quarterback. Very impressive what he's been able to do. But, like, Fafita has just looked that good. Like, they didn't miss a beat, and they, in a lot of ways, elevated their game a lot there. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I'm looking. I don't know why I'm not seeing it. There it is. I was overlooking it. Um, I'm just trying to look at his stats this season. I'm going to go through game. Game by game. He was... His first game was the Washington game. Um, so that was week four. His first full game as a starter was week four. So in in six weeks, six games, he has sixteen touchdowns, seventeen hundred yards, and four interceptions thrown. That's not a bad set of numbers, honestly. It's not a bad look at all. I'm actually really excited for this game. I'm sucks it's on Pac-12 Network. Otherwise, I'd be watching it. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take Arizona to win this game. I think it's gonna be close. I think this is gonna be a low-scoring game. I'm taking the under, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna take Arizona to win. Um, because why? 
why not? But let's let's see what Arizona can actually what they can finish at this season. Yeah, I'm gonna cry my eyes out when I go back to sleep because I also have Arizona winning. I think it's gonna be a really close game though. Um, Utah's been able to hang around in every game this year. That that defense is absolutely nasty and forces you into making a lot of stupid mistakes and might be the best defense Fafita has played up until this point. Um, and I, I, I definitely expect Utah to hang around and Arizona to win though. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and talk about this one. Uh, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. Yeah, this is the SEC game of the week. And for good reasons, Georgia on the road in Neyland Stadium against Tennessee. Georgia's getting 10.5. The over-unders set at 59.5. I don't know about that. Um, and, I mean, you see it on the screen. Tennessee has not beat Georgia since 2016 on the Hail Mary throw from Josh Dobbs to Juwan Jennings. And that was in Sanford Stadium. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far back you got to go to find the last time that uh, Tennessee won at home against Georgia. I'm not going to go look for that for anybody. Mm-hmm. Georgia has not lost in the regular season since 2020. I don't think they're going to lose here either. I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to roll. I think they're going to cover this 10.5. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to stick around in this game. I think they're going to get and they're going to get pressured a little bit more than they want to offensively. I think Joe Milton's going to make more mistakes in this game than he even did last week. And I think that this is going to be one of those games where Carson Beck comes in, shows you exactly what he's capable of. I think this running game, this rushing attack from Georgia is going to continue to improve. And we're going to be talking about Brock Bowers, Ladd McConkey, and, and company at, at the in a receiving game as well. Another complete game from Georgia, proving why they'll be the number one team again and probably up until they play Alabama, varying on what happens in that game. I'm taking Georgia. They'll be 11-0 after this one. Yeah, spot on. Tennessee's going to have to play a perfect game in order to in order to beat this Georgia team. Georgia's great at making you make mistakes. Tennessee's been sloppy at times with Milton. Um, not not just interceptions, like only five interceptions isn't bad, but they they have had a few fumbles in crucial times as well. Um, Georgia's offense is playing absolutely insane right now. Um, give me the dogs to win and cover. All right. Next, we have the Sunflower Showdown, if I'm not mistaken, is what this yes, game is called. And um, I think it's going to be a blast of a football game. Kansas State on the road in Lawrence. They're going to take on the Jayhawks here. And they come in as eight-point favorites. I don't know that I totally agree. I don't, But I also don't know if, if Jason Bean's coming back this week either. They they haven't said one way or the other. Yeah, and I, I don't know. So, I, so that's going to be a big-time um, – that's a big time hurdle to jump over without him. At the end of the day, I think this Kansas State defense is going to be where every where the money's made in this game. I think Kansas State is going to come out of this game with a win. 
they'll be eight and three. And I think we'll be talking about Kansas State some more uh, because I think that this is going to be one of those solidifying factors. Will Chris Kleiman be moving on? Better yet, could Colin Klein be moving on? I mean, th- these are legitimate questions to be answered. Who knows? Who who has any idea? But I think that, that Kansas State, the, the stock has ro- risen for Lance Leipold tremendously since he's come over to Kansas. The stock's rising for Chris Kleiman right now, too. I think this guy is Both phenomenal. Coaches are I, I think he is in position to get a big-time offer somewhere at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100% agree with you. Like, Kleiman, hell of a job. Leipold, hell of a job. Klein even hell of a job. Like he's he's probably going to knowing him in the past, like I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State or a group of five is where he winds up as a head coach, but I solid job by Klein though, either way. Um absolutely. I that being said, I do have Kansas State winning. I I don't know about a cover. Historically speaking, Kansas State, Kansas has always been a close rivalry. Um, not just because throughout the history, both these teams have been trash for a large majority of it. Um, yeah. But up until Snyder took over at Kansas State in the 80s, like no one really had a lead in it and even then when Snyder was there Kansas hung around in every game so give me Kansas State to win Kansas covers um as far as the over under goes I it's right about where it is I lean slight towards under but that's that's gonna be really close try to avoid that yeah Absolutely. I 100% agree with you on that. I will not be touching that game in the take five. Another game I'm not touching in the take five is this one. Oregon State hosting Washington at home. And, man, this could be this could be a game of the year candidate. How many times have we talked about that for, for Pac-12 games, huh? For Pac-12 alone. <laughs> this could be a game of the year candidate. I think that this is going to be put up or shut up for Washington. What a time to do it. 7.30 p.m. Is game day here? No, they're at um, App State at JMU. Oh, that's right. How I forget about that? Um, JMU by 20. Um <laughs> they made a mistake, in my opinion. They should definitely be in Corvallis. Um, I what understand a, what, a, what an ultimate, uh, what an ultimate fuck up, ultimate fuck up. I do. No thanks. Get out to Corvallis. Give these guys, give these fans what they deserve. I, I know you don't want to go to Washington again, but go to Washington again. Right, go to Washington again. Um. I know what the stat says. I know what the history says about this game. Uh, Washington's dominated the last 13 years. Oregon State is having their best season probably ever because even the 2000 year like was really good. Um, but I would say this is arguably more impressive to be 8-2 and two right now. They may finish 8-4. and four. They may lose out, and that's fine. 
they're favorites in this game, which kind of shocked me. I thought Washington would get like a, a one or two point uh, cushion out here. Yeah. They're not getting that it. That shocked me. I'm still taking Washington to win this game. I think they're going to come out. They're going to get the upset by spread standards, but they're going to win the game. I th- I'm, I'm not taking upset here. I'm not taking Oregon State to crash the party. I, I think the Huskies continue to win football games, and um, they'll be 11-0 with the Apple Cup on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. This game has potential to be an all-time classic. Um, Oregon State still has a chance at the Pac-12 title game, and they know it. Um, Jonathan Smith is going to have his team ready, and the way that this, the way that this Washington Huskies defense has played at times, definitely. They have to play the game of the year for them to um, slow down this Oregon State team. Um, Washington, we've talked ad nauseum. This offense is absolutely insane. Putting up video game type of numbers and Penix playing himself into New York a few years ago never would have had that. Um, all that to say, I'm going to take the upset. We've seen, we've seen far worse Oregon state teams, um, do this, do, do this kind of a thing, um, have a top team come into research stadium and lose, um, Oregon state is going to win this game, I think, because they are the more physical team. I I like that defense enough to be able to kind of not stop. You're not stopping this Huskies offense, quite frankly, but do enough to slow them down. And give me the beefs to win. Sorry, I'm finishing up my. Uh, oh no, you're totally fine. Finishing up my take five, so I have that ready to go, so I don't have to waste any time. But that's the end of the slide, so I guess that's a perfect time. But we do have a couple things we need to do real quick, um, and they involve watching uh, what BJ has to say about these games. Yes, let me pull that up really quick. Oh, I have it. I have it. Oh, okay. No need to worry. Let me go ahead and get it pulled up here. Present, share. It'll be this one. Oh, hang on. Let me do this correctly. All right. Here we go. Now it's time to talk some of these matchups. So we get those beautiful slides on screen. Utah and Arizona. Arizona, this is a this is a really good team. They've got home field advantage. I just don't trust Utah's offense enough in this contest to give them the win. They've got really good defense, but I, I'm telling you, Arizona, ever since they made the quarterback change and went with Noah Fafita instead of Jaden Delora, they've been a team that's on the rise and a team that's 
almost in that same echelon as Washington and Oregon. Uh, Arizona, believe it or not, they win this game. They still have a possibility of making the Pac-12 title race. Now, they're going to need some help from Oregon State, who I'll talk about here in a moment as well. But Oregon State also has a chance to get to the uh, to Vegas. They just they, they need Utah's help. So uh, Utah is about the only team that uh, is still in the rankings that is not in play for the Pac-12 title race. I think that Arizona wins this game. I mean, it, you can see it's one point right now. Is it's the current spread. Um, as of recording time here on a Wednesday, but uh, you know, it's, I think Arizona wins by a touchdown. I, if I had to say, I, I think that Arizona, this game's going to be close. This game's going to go back and forth. I just don't know if I see Utah doing enough with their offense. Now their defense absolutely can, can keep them in this contest. As you saw just last week at Washington, Tough to play on the road twice in a row. I think Arizona, the home field advantage, they are their only home losses to Washington. I think they keep their hopes alive for the Pac-12 title race. I'm going to go with the Wildcats on this one. Moving on, we're talking about, uh, well, wait a minute. Was that a Utah sweep? I think it was. You mean Arizona sweep? Arizona sweep. What the hell are we talking about this game? Close, yeah, but not quite. I got things to do. I got places to be. Shit. No, anyway, I'm kidding because anytime you have a team that's coming in having won 20 plus straight games, it's definitely worth talking about. I mean, 27 in a row for the dogs, and they have a chance to tie an SEC record if they win this game with their 28th consecutive win going back to the uh, SEC title game against Alabama in 2021. Oh, wow. Funny how that worked out, huh? 37 straight wins going to the 2020 season, the last time they lost in the regular season. This is with, with apologies to Georgia Tech because they've got talent. They don't have Georgia's talent. I think this is the last real chance that Georgia has to lose before they get to Atlanta. And I'm, I'm not talking about Bobby Dodd. This is the last chance that Georgia has to lose in the regular season, if I had to be honest with you. And I don't think they do. Also, want to make sure that I point out that uh, Georgia's number one. So I don't know how this got messed up because it says on my computer screen, they are number one. Uh, so it's, it's funny that, uh, <laughs> that we can, we can, <laughs> we, you guys won't know anything about this until you see the recording. Uh, it's, it's funny how that works out. Uh, isn't it? No, I, Georgia's offense is too good. As, as good as Tennessee's defense has been, what Missouri did to them last week, even All with right. the home field, the revenge factor, you know. I know he's taking Georgia here. Um, I'm, I'm removing this because we got some breaking news. Um, the NCAA has denied the waiver request um, from James Madison and Jacksonville State to make them bowl eligible. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> not kidding <laughs> at all. Uh, according to Brett McMurphy, uh, the NCAA denies waiver to make James Madison and Jacksonville State Bowl eligible, meaning Dukes ineligible to play in Sunbelt title game. Sources tell Action Network HQ. In its second year transitioning from FCS to FBS, JMU is ineligible for the league title. The Dukes appealed because of their 10-0 start. JMU and JSU can still play in a bowl if there are not 82 bowl-eligible teams. 
uh, Action Network is projecting there will not be enough bowl-eligible teams, which will allow them to play in a bowl. But this kills JMU's chances. The, the reason they wanted this was because they're 10-0. Mm-hmm. They're, they have a chance to be Sunbelt champions, and they have the opportunity as, the, as a G5 representative for the New Year's Six. And the NCAA is going to just stonewall them. Mm-hmm. And for what? So Tulane can go back again? I, this is probably one honestly, of the bigger losses. Like, honestly, between the Tez Walker situation yeah. and this situation, the NCAA has done nothing correct um, in multiple mm-hmm. regards this season. And this is another situation. I mean, this is ridiculous. These two teams, they, they want you to – the reason they do this is to kind of hinder more teams from coming up to the FBS level immediately uh, because it, it takes away money from these programs in a sense. Um, they, it kind of is a hindrance to them jumping up, even though they're already jumping up an entirely new level. Um, but this is honestly a big time. Um, this is a big time flop. This is, this is a, a big miss from the NCAA as a whole. And uh, I, I'm, honestly truly disappointed in this entire situation this is this is a disaster yeah that's absolutely despicable to see that um like jmu and jacksonville state for that matter are playing fantastic like they they do you're right they do do this for financials and because scholarship differences well, clearly, but the scholarship difference shouldn't matter. If you're able, if you're able to win when you have, when you're that much far further below everybody, mm-hmm. and you're able to be ten and zero at college football's top level, let them play in the bowl game. Oh, spot on! They are undefeated. Jacksonville State is coming up in their first year, and they're seven and three. The they're, the hindrance should be that you should have a requirement. At your level, you should have a national championship and or a semifinal appearance, at least in the FCS playoffs, before you can move up. Mm-hmm. That should be the requirement. The requirement should be multiple years in a row of making the FCS playoffs, let alone getting to the national championship game at least once or getting to the semifinals at least once. Those should be the requirements. The requirements should not stop you going forward when – all you've done is go out and win football games at the highest level. Mm-hmm. They're 10 and 0. They have wins over Power 5 programs. What more do you want from them? I mean, seriously, th- this is probably one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I don't even know what else to say. This is, I just want to go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick look here. Um, at, at this real fast. So, so Sunbelt, of course, that's not working. So let me try this another way. Because the ESPN app decides it's going to just not work today. So that's awesome. I love when that happens. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a look here. Sunbelt. JMU. They have beat Virginia, mm-hmm. P5 opponent. Yes. Um, 
it took a miraculous game to win that game, by the way, too. Like it, it was it was unbelievable the way they that was a fun game. game to watch. Um, they just played extremely well all year, and, and again, they're ten and out. They've got two games remaining against the two biggest challengers to them at the top, uh, Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. And again. JMU's just going to get stonewalled out of it. That's kind of a joke, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we'll we'll get back to BJ now. Coming in and, and get just kind of being stomped last year, Georgia could do the very same thing. I, I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia covers. It was a great start for Tennessee, but it all came crashing down. They can't run for 200 yards. I don't think they're going to run anywhere close to 200 yards. I don't think they're going to outgain Georgia. I think Georgia wins pretty convincingly and goes to 11-0 in the SEC with their SEC East locked up. Tennessee is going to uh, hope to be at 8-4 and four come the end of the regular season and Maybe go to the Gator Bowl, maybe the Liberty Bowl. I'm not sure which one of those they would get. Maybe it may be, uh, they may get uh, to go out to. They might get the uh, the uh, Reliant Quest Bowl. Just trying to think where, yeah. where they could go. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take Georgia. I'm going to take Georgia to win. I'm going to take Georgia to cover. Let's move on. Go a little bit rapid fire. Oh, the Sunflower Showdown. Ah, oh, this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one indeed. Uh, Kansas State, gosh almighty, look at that record 26 and four since the start of the 93 season, and yet Kansas still has 15 more wins all time. That's one of those funny, you never would have thunk it kind of stats. Um, man, I, if if I knew that Bean was going to be back, there's a chance for Kansas. If I knew that Jaden Daniels, that Jalen Daniels was going to play, there's a chance for Kansas. I don't know that. What I do know is that Kansas State, as much as they've they've had some struggles, they nearly took down Texas in Austin. That's not easy to do. They had a Friday night flunk, you know, a Friday night kind of funk that they were in 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 Stillwater. Boone Pickens, not an easy place to play. And then they got walked off by a 61-yard field goal against Harrison Mavis. Kansas can be competitive in this game. Kansas can win this game. I'm not taking them. I'm taking the J- the Wildcats. Ah, you almost caught me. <laughs> taking the Wildcats to win this game. And, man, I want to say Kansas covers. I, I think this is going to be a tight game back and forth. But give me the Wildcats in the Sunflower Showdown. To knock off the Jayhawks yet again, it will be 15 years in a row. Can you believe it? 15 years in a row for Kansas State if they win this contest. Ah, last but not least, man, I've been waiting for this game. This is the one that is really exciting for me for this weekend. Man, Washington is going to go down at some point. Could it be this week? Maybe. Maybe. I've been wrestling with this one, going back and forth, trying to decide what do I want. History would tell you it's Washington's to lose, and that may be true, but Oregon State, one of the lesser-known facts. Since the start of the 2021 season, 
You know who has a really good home field advantage? It's Oregon State. Only loss in that span since 2021 started. Oregon State's only lost one time, and it was to USC last year, and Chance Nolan threw four picks. DJU has thrown four picks all season long. Oregon State does not have to go to the air to win this game. They can run their offense the way that they want to. They can play, control the ball, control the clock, ground and pound. I think Oregon State wins this game. I legitimately believe there is a path to victory for the Beavs. And, you know, they're two-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, it that's a lot because they're at home for this game. Last year was a really close, crazy kind of game that the lights went out for a while. They were delayed on a Friday night because of that in, in uh, Husky Stadium. Nothing like that's going to happen this year, right? Washington, 11-2 and two since the start of the 2010 season, but I think that's going to fall to 11-3. All three of those losses would have been in Corvallis, by the way. Not to cut them off, but I'm uh, going to move forward here. Yeah, kudos to Oregon State for uh, paying the electric bill, hopefully. One would hope. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got here. Where's the other one? Oh, here we go. We'll go ahead and get right into the... Uh, get into this, uh, our, our personal segments. We'll go ahead and start those up. BJ's yeah, I'll do it. You just don't have to fucking make a big deal about it. Oh, shit. Live. Uh, hi. Fuck it. We'll <laughs> so, do it live. <laughs> notice I'm not live today, but I'm still here to talk about the best games of the week. So we'll start on Friday night. You could make an argument that the uh, battle for who gets uh, to stay alive for bowl eligibility one more week is more interesting, but I'm actually going to go with an American conference game. UTSA hosting South Florida. South Florida sneakily is in a position, if they can pull off an upset in one of their last two games, they will have a chance of uh, not just being. Talk about the turnaround from Alex Goulesh in one season at USF. By the way, that was a great pause timing. Um, Alex Goulesh has done a great job at, at USF. By the yeah. way, just uh, one year, he's got them at almost bowl eligibility. Yeah. They weren't even sniffing that prior. Being bowl eligible, but very unexpected. They come in five and five. UTSA trying to keep that three team log jam atop the American all log jammed up. If they win this game, they play uh, Tulane next week. And so it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. Uh, if they can win this week, they've got a chance to be in the American athletic title game in year one in the American after back-to-back conference USA titles to close out their ranks. Looking ahead to Saturday, I don't know how this didn't come up during Cam's corner. He's slacking as usual. Um, But SMU Memphis, you've got two of the better teams in the American behind Tulane at both eight and two coming in. This is always one of those games that seemingly is, is competitive to the end back and forth. SMU's not won in Memphis since 2013, as much success as they've had going back over the years under Sonny Dykes. And, and even before that, you got to go back to, I think it was Archie Chad was the last coach that was there the last time they won in Memphis. Both these teams, really good programs, could be the one that decides a uh, potential New Year's Six Bowl as well. Looking around at what else is going on, Top 10 upset alert potentially down in Miami, Coral Gables. I mean, it's certainly possible. Hurricanes 
played well enough to keep it competitive at Florida State last week. Louisville coming to town, maybe a little too much fluff in their feather. I don't know. Just watch it. Keep an eye on it. The morning slate is really not as loaded. I mean, you've got SMU Memphis and Louisville Miami are really the only ones that you want to keep an eye on in the morning slate. Unless you think there's a reason that Oklahoma wakes up slow, gets off to another slow start at BYU. Oklahoma's 24 and a half point favorite. I don't think they're going to lose. And neither is Penn State, although of the two, Rutgers, if they hold on to the ball, is more likely to pull off the upset over Penn State than BYU is at home over Oklahoma, even though it's in Happy Valley. I, I like Rutgers in the points here. I'm, I know that might be one that Tyler's taking. Uh, if he doesn't, that's fine. I don't know. I'm not here. What are you going to do, huh? Nothing. That's what I thought. That's what I freaking all right, let's move on as, as I'm gonna, going to you. He's going to virtual punch in the crotch. Here. Uh, let's see what else so this guy's going to get. Here. Mm-hmm. On the uh, best games of the week, you've got Duke is only favored by three and a half at Virginia. I know Virginia's had a lot of one-score losses. That does not mean that they're going to have another one-score loss or that they're going to pull off an upset. Uh, I think the only real hope for Virginia is if Riley Leonard is out again. And even then, I mean – Wow, Grayson Loft is really impressed last week at North Carolina. That's a that's the CW game, so there's probably not going to be as much reason to watch it. I'm looking at 3.30 Eastern, North Carolina at Clemson. North Carolina needs a win. They need a win out, and they need some help from Miami in order to stay alive in the uh, picture for the ACC title, or at least to get there and, and face Florida State. Clemson is almost a touchdown favorite. They've really figured things out. They've gotten back up to form. Can the Tar Heels do it? They've been playing with fire a little too much for my liking. I think Clemson, I think Clemson sends Louisville to the ACC to Charlotte, whether it's uh, whether Miami wins or not. Well, they'll know before this one kicks off if uh, North Carolina is still alive or not, however. So always one of those fun things that, you know, if, if Louisville wins, how much does that deflate North Carolina? We'll find out. The uh, victory bell is on the line. Crosstown showdown. Tyler might remember this one. UCLA, USC. USC's lost four of those uh, five games that we talked about in that final six stretch. Is that going to be a fifth one? UCLA without a couple of quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to win, but Chip Kelly might be coaching for his job. So there's some intrigue there. Man, man, man. How many times have we talked about the Pacific Northwest being so dangerous when they have to go to the desert they've had troubles they've had struggles 23 and a hook is a lot of points i know arizona state is bad but man arizona state went up to washington nearly won against the huskies now this is a better team obviously but home field advantage might i remind you 2019 brandon Ayuk ruined the pac-12 chances of making the playoff then I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, there's some intrigue. There is definitely some intrigue. How does Oklahoma State bounce back? There's a lot of teams that are still alive in the Big 12 title race. Oklahoma State, one of them, seemingly lost their uh, their uh, tiebreaker, basically, or, or seemingly lost their advantage in terms of um, 
you know, only having one conference loss to Iowa State. But they still have wins over Oklahoma, Kansas State, Kansas. So as long as they can survive and win at Houston, their touchdown favorite, I think they'll bounce back just fine. I, I know Houston basically fighting for bull eligibility, but, I mean, I, I think Oklahoma State bounces back. Um uh, you got Cal Stanford on the Pac-12 network. I'm I'm done. Seems like uh, that's where it's been. I'm cutting them off. I'm not doing nine minutes. <laughs> Love VJ, but uh, we're not doing that right now. Um, when I get through all nine minutes of that, um, but I do like what he had though. It was grasping for straws. I think he was trying to fill a little time for us. But got like back got. just in time. I do. I do like what he had there. Um, so with that said. I guess let's take the opportunity now and go ahead. And uh, so we don't have his locker upset, which is uh, sad. I I wish we had his locker upset. Um, We'll get that and we'll fill it in as we go at a later time, Um, which does mean, though, that uh, based off of last week. Also, thank you for tuning in, Texas Repo. Um, Sorry, didn't want to interrupt um, BJ's segment there. Based off of last week, uh, I will go first and locks and upsets, but we're not we're not there yet. Um, where we are at though is we'll just go ahead and Cam. I, I don't know how many games you got. I'll let you go, kind of rapid fire though, and get us through your your Cam's corner segment this week. All right, for sure. Um, I've got I've got three games written down. Um, one of which I know for sure BJ covered. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I did have SMU and T in Memphis written down. I think I that's gonna so. Yeah, I I we know you've been on your knees for SMU and not the prayed kind. Um we <laughs> but either way, SMU's been playing good football. They've gotten better as the years gone on, and Memphis has surprised a lot of people. And in what way? Yeah, I I just kind of didn't know what to expect it this year. Like, I mean, like I'm, I'm I, I, I had I them six see, and six, so I didn't like, see eight and two at this yeah. point. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead yeah. and look. like I still exactly had them. I, I still had them as bull eligible, but I just oh, I never finished. Um, I probably had them like eight and four, nine and two, mm-hmm. or nine and three, somewhere in that range. So, like, I'm not surprised that they're doing this well. Um, Seth Hennigan coming back was really big for them, mm-hmm. and, and I, helped I, them kind of get continue yeah. to be above above the rest. But yeah. they're gonna fall back in everybody, I think, going forward because Hennigan's gone after this year. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of questions to answer. But that's a big game this weekend. That re- that was gonna determine who the other team will be. Um. Yeah, no. In the American my, Athletic Conference Championship game. Yeah, my question marks were more so on the defensive side of the ball, though. Like they lost a decent amount off of that defense, and so in a in a league where having a defense that can make a stop or two is huge, like the American. So, um, that that was more so my concern, and I had them six and six, seven and five because of that. Like still, yeah. still bull eligible, but um, uh-huh. always glad to be proven wrong in that sense. The other game I have written down: UNLV at Air Force. Um, 
That's a big game. Yeah. That's that's for first place in the Mountain West. Yeah. Nobody was saying that preseason, by the way. No one was saying that. No, 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 definitely not. Like, we we all mentioned Air Force as a potential dark horse, and we all talked about how Odom was a huge hire for UNLV. Yeah, after they hired Petrino, too. And, yeah. and he he moved on and went to A&M mm-hmm. instead, and, and they had to kind of make a, a quick hire. Mm-hmm. And Barry Odom was a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but huge. I think huge, they, I think they dodged a bullet. Yeah. I think they actually yeah. got exactly what they needed mm-hmm. the, to make the difference. Yeah. And then, last game I'm going to mention. Come with me to the FCS level for a minute. Um, as we know, there's two big players at the FCS level as far as conferences go. There's the MVFC, Missouri Valley Football Conference. But I'm going to the big sky. Montana State at Montana this year. Huge implications at at the FCS level. Um, First of all, if you guys aren't familiar with it, the Brawl of the Wild is one of the most underappreciated rivalries in all of college sports. Um, I, I'm willing to say that like, I, I, as somebody who lives about two and a half hours away from Bozeman, where Montana state is, I, I've become very familiar with, (laughs) with this rivalry. Um, like I always knew it was kind of a big one, Montana state, Montana, both kind of historic big players there, but so there's all sorts of implications here. If okay, just to double check. So if Montana wins this game, Idaho goes to the Big Sky Conference Championship game. And lo- pretty much guarantees that they're going to the um playoffs like either way they're probably gonna go but still it it sews that up if montana state wins we get a rematch for this game and so i just wanted to highlight that like we've mentioned a few different times here the fcs level um still a lot of fun very good football at that level and we always like highlighting that and just wanted to give a shout out to the Brawl of the Wild with huge implications at the FCS level. And this game being played in Missoula at the I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the best stadium in FCS, uh, uh Washington Grizzly yeah. Stadium. Absolutely love that place. I, I mm-hmm. so my FCS Beautiful team, my back. FCS team is Dayton, followed up with Montana. So like I, I follow Montana football pretty pretty heavily as we go, you know, throughout these seasons. We don't talk about it much because we don't talk FCS football very much. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Montana, and I'm looking forward to that game against Idaho. Which I don't think people were uh, 
ready to see Idaho seven and three this year. No, they no, might be. No, uh, no. They're probably going to the the FCS playoffs. By the way, yeah, so oh yeah, they probably are. Like I had mentioned, like, but I Big Sky's always at least a two team bid conference. So I I know that if they if they make the championship game, my, Idaho is locked. Um, yeah. So. But yeah, that's that's my little corner here. Um, Tyler, right. what what's up with your take five this week? Well, I want to start with I just saw something pretty crazy. Uh, Cal Poly's quarterback is Sam Heward, son of Brock Heward, oh, former Washington yeah. quarterback. I forgot he transferred over to Cal Poly, but yeah, I forgot about that as well. All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and do that. My take five. It's pretty straightforward this week, honestly. I didn't get a chance to talk about last week. I went two and three last week. Misses were West Virginia, they didn't cover. Oregon didn't quite cover. Kansas lost, so they didn't cover. But Duke and Alabama both did cover. And for a while, I thought Duke was not going to cover either because they got down big early. We're trying to bounce back this week. So, in order to do that, let's let's be a little smarter. So, I'm going to start with Northwestern. They are an underdog at home against Purdue this week. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win outright. I would take them money line, but they are a plus three underdog against Purdue. I'm locking them up to cover that three. I think they went outright, like I said. Bold, but if you expect them to win, why not take it? And then I'm going to go ahead and get West Virginia. They are a six and a half point favorite against Cincinnati. Yes, this rivalry is renewed. And yes, West Virginia is going to get the win against Cincinnati. Scott Satterfield's got this team uh, not very good. Uh, the Cincinnati program is kind of scrambling right now for what's next. And I think West Virginia is in a position where they're going to come out. They're going to play extremely well defensively. I think they're going to push the ball down the field on multiple occasions. And I think their defense is going to put them in position to win this game. I <laughs> Honestly, I see this game being like 24. Four to six, 24 to 10, something like that. That would be a big cover for West Virginia. So I'm going to take that. Iowa minus three against Illinois. I don't think Illinois scores enough to even be in this game. So I'm going to take Iowa. I think they're going to win pretty similarly to what they did with Rutgers last week. Speaking of Rutgers, that loss last week is totally hurting them. It shouldn't. I think they're going to cover that 20 and a half points against Penn State. Um, they are on the road. I know that's going to be a tougher place to go do it, but we, we saw Michigan win there last week. I think Rutgers is going to come in. I think they're going to play a, a inspired brand of football. They still got things to play for. I think they cover that 20 and a half. I don't think they went out right, but I think there's a cover there. And then lastly, I'm going to take Rice. They're going to cover the two and a half against Charlotte. Um, just extremely impressed with what Rice has been able to do this season. And I think they're going to be able to win this game and, and move forward and, and win pretty comfortably too against, against the 49ers, but they are playing in Charlotte. I thought about it, but I'm not going. Uh, I really like that Rutgers pick. Um, I think it's they, an obvious pick, Yeah, but sometimes a, the ones that seem obvious don't always end up being that way. So I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm going to take it and I'm going to be confident that it works. Mm -hmm. We saw Penn State struggle last week with a very physical Michigan team. Rutgers I think they can struggle with Rutgers because yeah. Rutgers is just as physical. Yeah, and 
That's what I was going to say. Rutgers is every bit as physical as Michigan. uh, Hang on. Let's not say that. Let's not say that. They're not just as physical, but they play a physical brand of football, and they they like to match the numbers up pretty well. It's going to be interesting. I'm not going to say they're just as good or as physical as Michigan, but they're capable of playing this game really close and and putting Mm -hmm. Penn State in an uncomfortable position, which I think they will. Lastly, tonight, last thing we got to do tonight, Let's talk about our locks and upsets for week 12. We're pretty much one week away from being done with this. We're going to talk about it in 2020. Sorry, with the the conference championship games, we'll do a lock and an upset with the conference championship weekend as well. Um, Actually, we'll probably just do two locks for the conference championship weekend, uh, if anything. But with that said, We'll go ahead and get into this one. The score on the season, I have 12. Cam has nine, and BJ has eight points. So it's still anyone's game. Like somebody can still make something happen here, but it's it's going to take it's going to take an upset hitting that probably is a little gutsier for you guys. For me, it's just it's getting it to the end. It's just getting a point or two every week and and trying to get through the season. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, play to win, not to lose. Yeah, not exactly not to lose. So, well, that said, I do get to go first, and um, I'm just going to get my upset off the board. I'm taking Northwestern to beat Purdue, uh, plus three. And then my lock, I'm going to go ahead and take. Um, Man, I wish I didn't just do that to myself. I closed out my take five so I couldn't look at what I literally just put down. Um, my lock of the week, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to go Iowa minus three. I'm just going to get two safe ones. Stay in the big ten for both of them. All right. So. What you got? My luck. I have Cal six and a half over Stanford. I do like Stanford. I do think Stanford's played some good football this year, but Cal has a lot to play for right now. This team likes Wilcox a lot, and they are playing for his job. Um, As for my upset, I have Nebraska over Wisconsin plus four and a half. Um, I like, again, this big 10 West, we talked about it on Sunday, BJ and I, you talked about it today, just beating the crap out of each other. Um, it's been it's been a fun year if you follow the Big Ten West, um, and we're we're not going to see that change at all. Nebraska's been playing good football, especially as the years progressed under Matt Rule, and then Wisconsin kind of up and down, kind of streaky under Fickle in year one. Um, so that's going to be intriguing to put it lightly um 
but yeah, no, um, that's, that's going to wrap us up for the week. Um, as, as Tyler returns. Sorry, I tried to wait. I had to go. No, you're good. <laughs> that, that's um, exactly what I did. Um, well, BJ. Well, BJ talking. Video. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I tried. Um, we'll get BJ's locks and upsets. We'll talk about those on Sunday when we obviously do the recap. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, this was not a bad show. I'm glad that BJ was able to get part of it. Unfortunate that the, the other plan we had fell through, but like I said, we'll reschedule it. We'll get it mm-hmm. taken care of and, and we'll definitely have our guests on at a later time. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But with that said, we'll be back Saturday night, loudmouth Saturday nights, obviously every Saturday for the most part, unless there's just something that we can't do it like there was last weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then Sunday live show, 6 p.m. as always. Mm-hmm. So with that, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time.